2: Hello and welcome to the Runners World Podcast with me Rick Pearson, me Ben Hobson
0: and me Jane Maguire.
2: Today we're talking with Robbie Britton about his new book 1001 Running Tips. Uh, it's important to state here that Robbie won't be taking us through all 1001 Running Tips, that would be a very long episode and as good as these tips are I don't think that's what what listeners want. Um, I
0: think that would be an audio book wouldn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> He'd be
3: furious because that would just be his book immediately null yeah. and void. So no, yeah. we're not going to do that.
2: We're not going to do that. Um, but we thought we might try and do uh, one tip each. All right, one running tip. And I know we had no time to prepare for this, but maybe that makes it the kind of maybe that'll
3: make it kind of honest answer. Yes. Yeah.
2: Are you ready to start, Ben? Could
0: you start? Oh, am I going first? Am I? Yeah. Oh, Go on. <laughs>
3: um, um, don't take yourself too seriously. Love that.
0: Oh. Because
3: that's 100% what I've done. And that's just kind of half half, sort of ruined a lot of running for me, I think, trying to be too serious about it. So that's my one tip. Don't take yourself. Don't take running too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Choose one of those. I would Lovely. say the self rather than running. Running <laughs> it will react to how you react. So, yeah, don't take yourself too seriously. Jane, what are you going with?
0: I like how you're throwing us both in there, Rick. Yeah. Um, I would say, I was going to say... Um, Easy mile should be easy, but I don't want to spoil the podcast. Um, so I would say, what would I say? I would say, don't. Um, what's that quote? I think I've I've made this for a, for a meme for Runners World. Um, don't outrun the joy of running. So if you don't want, like, sometimes going for a run will help you feel better. But if you if you don't want to do a marathon, don't do one. Who said you had yeah. to? Um, if you don't yeah. want to do a race, don't do one. Um, use running. Do the runs you like and don't feel pressured by people on Instagram to do runs you don't enjoy.
3: Exactly that. Come on then, Rick.
2: I think mine might be to mix up the terrain, not just for the kind of performance benefits that I think that provides, but also for a bit of variety and a bit of joy, is to not always run on the road. Because that can be the do- default and it's obviously the easiest thing to go for. But a few more miles off-road on the grass. I know that we're a little bit divided in this group as to the... How much joy can be derived from trail running? But for me, that has been this a is such a
0: classic rec tip, game changer.
2: <laughs> so
3: mix up the surfaces, if you and like. You know, if you let's go and go back into the archive by a week or two, maybe, <laughs> and listen. To it. And uh, Dr. Josie Perry, who joined us to talk about running and stress, she mentioned a study that says if you surround yourself with green and blue, that's it. Green and blue are the two things: water and the trees. Those are the two things that will help relieve stress and running, so that, and thus make it more enjoyable. So, head out to the green and blue, everyone. That sounds good. Right, should we bring
2: on? Uh, should we bring on Robbie, our guest of the week? Yeah, let's do it. Our guest this week is a Team GB 24-hour runner and coach whose new book, "A Thousand and One Running Tips," provides amusing and accessible pointers to guide you on your running journey. Robbie Britton, welcome to the Runners World podcast.
4: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
2: No, great to have you back on. Um, well, let's start then with this. With this book. Who is who's the target audience for your new book? It's presumably who's... runners, I guess.
4: Runners, runners, <laughs> or, or friends and family of runners. There is a small <laughs> section on crewing. Nice. Um, t- Ideally, it appeals to everyone who enjoys running. So I have the sections in there that will help beginner runners. And there's that range. I hope that anyone who's kind of a bit more experienced, and we've had a few books reviewed uh, so far, and even the more experienced runners are finding out things or asking themselves questions that are worth asking based on what's in the book. So, yeah, hopefully everyone. Which is- nice.
3: How do you go about compiling tips like this? Because I feel, from your point of view, you're coming in from an elite level so you're kind of like that's you know like such a finely tuned part of running but running is such this broad church so how do you sort of build break it down into right that tip's applicable for everyone and that's like a super nuanced tip for someone who wants to run up a mountain really quickly
4: <laughs> i guess like i'm in a, a good position because i came from being not very good to being okay like. <laughs> um, so I have, in fact, I've run the Comrades Ultra Marathon in uh, South Africa. I was right near the back. I got beaten by one of the guys in the rhino outfits that weigh about six stone. So I, I've built up a, a kind of wealth of knowledge of both uh, at the front of the field, in the middle, and sometimes near the back. So maybe it's because it's not just me right now that's kind of led to the, the coaching and the advice I give. Yeah. it's I've come on a, a reasonably progressive journey myself. I had, had, had a good mixture of... Um, Positive and negative—not negative, but positive and negative, not <laughs> not negative, po- positive some, and
2: negative results. Yeah, some learning curves. Yeah.
4: Many lessons.
0: <laughs> Who came up with the thousand and one? Did you like pitch this book as a hundred, and then it just kept getting more and more?
4: <laughs> just too many. Yeah, uh, it's actually based on Andy Kirkpatrick's Thousand and One Climbing Tips book. So okay. he's a big wall uh, climber, and he his is the same publisher. And they were like, "Well, climbing's great, but running is also great." And uh, let's get some tips about that. Who's Who do we know that's got a 1,001 tips in their head?
0: Did you get to like 700 and be like, wow, this is a lot? Or how, how easy was it to come up with them?
4: <laughs> See, so I did like a, you know, like the old Blue Peter style kind of list where you, they tally in each week how many, I don't know, milk bottle tops that people have collected. <laughs> yeah, I did that for tips on my wall. And uh, I didn't actually find it a chore at all because the way I did it is I jumped around a bit. So if I was bored about writing about one, aspect I just started writing about I don't know like how to have a crap in the woods or how to run in the desert or (laughs) how to run park run and I just kind of mixed it up so it kept it reasonably fresh and I what did I send in about 1060 odd because I knew some of them would be rubbish so they could just get rid of some (laughs) yeah and there's a few more there's more that could be added I reckon there's a few more tips left
2: what's the one tip that you wish you'd known when you started running
4: (sighs) oh so many, Rick. So many. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, probably to do with just being a bit easier in my easy runs and uh, hmm. and actually not just destroying myself at every given opportunity. Especially, I remember going down like being in London, going to like club track sessions, and each individual rep was a race, yes. a race to the death, and uh, and that that probably uh, <laughs> didn't yeah might have, might have hampered my progression a little bit.
3: It should be on like a tea towel. Or like a mug or something, it'll be it'll be like that sort of like level of of mantra, but it was running should be about improving fitness, not proving fitness. Right? Also, no. it was, it's, it's, you see what I mean? It was something cheesy along that Na- line. Namaste. Yeah, namaste, exactly, ben. Rick. But- Save
0: that for the next book, Robbie. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: But, um, but that kind of, all, I also, in, in all of its uh, cheesy glory, made me think do you know what? That's true, though. Because mm. you do, if you're ever sort of in that position where you're running with others or doing whatever it is you're doing, the easy run isn't easy anymore. It suddenly becomes a bit more punchy. And then you've got the, as you say, the individual reps at the track session, each 400 is to. To death, rather than like to completion. Yeah. So I think that that's 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 a great tip. Number one tip.
4: It's in there somewhere near the front. Yeah, yeah. It, and I, I think I wrote an article recently about like how to run with faster friends because that that session's probably all right for someone. Yeah, but like it's all right for the geezer who's slowed down, and everyone else is hanging out of like trying to keep up. Those reps are probably run at someone's correct pace. <laughs> so you're yeah, helping yeah. someone. Yeah, if it's, I mean, it's not you, then uh. You, you, Try and change it. If it is you, then be a good friend and let them know that it's, you're breaking everyone.
2: One of the things I like about this book, Rob, is that it's you know it's not a dry training manual. It's 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 really funny and light-hearted in places. Do you think that people underestimate the kind of comedy potential in running? It's actually a much more sort of funny and colourful activity than most people think.
4: Yeah, I guess there's a few people who take themselves a bit too seriously. When <laughs> in fact it is for us, for, like for people listening to this, it's a game, right? It's, and that's one of the reasons I love it. It's not like a life or death situation. It's not gonna. Uh, there are very few people that it puts like food on the table. that We enjoy it as a hobby. So mm. yeah, if we take it too seriously, um, then it can lose some of its joy. But like one of the kind of my mantra for writing the book, which I wrote next to my little blue Peter uh char- was good good advice doesn't have to be boring. I think hmm. there's sometimes you see like I've got I've got some really good training manuals that have only ever I've kind of they haven't I've tried to absorb them for osmosis from the bookshelf nothing's yeah. happened i've picked them up a few times and then eventually used them as a doorstep if you do need a doorstop and like and my book becomes that then great like, i don't like <laughs> this because they're very important because you can get quite drafty in the winter but like, ideally people pick it up and instead of putting it down next to, on the floor they're, they're going to read it and yeah the advice can be brilliant but if it doesn't engage the reader then there's no use there is there yeah totally totally
3: did you learn a lot right in this book as in did it make you remember things that you'd forgotten that people had told you in the past and you were like oh i should remember that that's important
4: <laughs> so, so yes someone asked me this the other day like a lot of it did come from inside my noggin so like it was like it's all there yeah but i think what, where it's been useful is reminding me of the things that i choose to forget like yeah like the easy mm. running or like having some rest days or like just not like not destroying yourself over a long run as hard as possible too often like things like this and like over racing like the stuff that I'm still a run at heart. i like as much as I love to think I've got all this good advice that I put in a book, I'm still an idiot. Like, I can still go out <laughs> and do the things that I'm telling people not to do, and uh, and I'm just grateful that it doesn't get rubbed in my face too often. So yeah, like for me, it's probably just as a, a good gentle reminder. Like when someone says, oh, "I really enjoyed that tip," and I'm like, "Oh yeah." i gotta remember that one for
0: my next run when you obviously you've you've kind of i think we've all done that i think it took me three marathons to listen to my coach and actually lapping your watch on every mile does make a difference um what are your like biggest running mishaps that you now kind of look back on and you think wow that's helped me write a book but at the time that was really stupid (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> How long have you got, eh? <laughs> that's, that's the problem. I can link one directly to, to like, a, so that when I run my marathon PB, I, I set off at the front, very excited, tapered, so fresh. And uh, and I think I ran the first mile in 5.20. And I found myself in this big group with the lead ladies as well. And I was like, oh, I'm going too fast. Right? Mm. So then I was like, oh, I'll come out of this group. And it was really windy. So I got back into the group and went fast again until we got out of the wind. And, and like, I, I mean, the biggest issue there was it gave my coach, a, like, a minor heart attack watching. <laughs> um, and, but, like, I, I was then kind of, I do not know. I just had to kind of trick myself. Well, maybe the watch is wrong. Maybe we're not going that fast. It's mm. okay. So I just, I ignored the watch. And then that, my heart rate then grew steadily throughout <laughs> that race until it got to a point where, it literally provided no value to me to look at my watch. Like there was just no value in me looking at it because it was telling me I was going too hard. Yeah. And I had a rate, I had a time I wanted to run. I was like, well, this is this is pointless. I mean, what am I going to do with 185? I'm not going to get it any lower yeah. at 20 miles. So I'm going to ignore the watch and maybe I'll look if it's uh, if it's not quite as close to the time. I and mean, I was still running the hardest I could. So yeah. at that point, looking at it, and it telling me I was going too slow wasn't going to help me either. So I was like, yeah. right, watch, you're done. Um, So that was one of my mishaps that then led to me being a lot closer. To the uh, I set myself a boundary at 2:30, and I was kind of expected to be well under it. And it got to a point I think the the, the race predictor said plus or 2:30 plus or minus six seconds at oh, one point. No. So I was on the edge. So yeah, that was one mishap. I mean, we, I, <laughs> there's lots. There's absolutely bundles. It's <laughs> like, to do with stuff like my ego getting carried away with 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 performances or like the biggest ones are normally to do with the psychological side of things mm. i absolutely one of the reasons i do ultra distance running and, and some cycling as well um it's because you do get to kind of experiment more with, with what happens in those darker moments and mm. yeah it's just like you, that's the kind of stuff that you can let it absolutely change your race be it 5k marathon if you let your head go it's harder that like you can you can stop yourself in a second and kind of go it's not worth it anymore yeah. oh, what's, the, what's the point and that one second is that's it race over in a 5k you're not coming back from it a marathon you can slow down like an ultra marathon you can have a cup of tea and group <laughs> an ultra cycling race you can have a sleep
1: and group but
4: like in, a, in the short of the race the less the kind of more you've got to be on it with the, the psychological stuff so i think mm. yeah there's plenty of times where like focusing on how i probably could have managed myself a bit better and I think as a, as a male runner, it almost entirely comes down to ego. Mm. Um, most of the time.
3: Have you got any sort of tricks then that you've, that you implement when you feel like the ego is getting ahead of you? Do you ever, is there sort of like a set routine of things that you'll like get work for? <laughs> it or do you just have to go, Oh, shush.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Part of it is like, so like, I'm an optimist. I'm a massive optimist. And like I've had a matter of times in a park, I've had these goals, these lofty goals and someone's gone, you can't achieve that mate. And it becomes like fuel to the fire. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. And I, I, I wouldn't want to change that, but it's kind of just managing like your own expectations with just reality, just a little reality check. And if, <laughs> yeah, if you want to like a great place for a reality check is something like park run, right? If you want to like, if you think you're in whatever marathon shape, just go and, like run the equivalent, not pace, but the equivalent 5k performance and see where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it could be a good, so sometimes, yeah, like a reality check. I have good friends I check in with. It's always a good one. If you've got mates that are kind of a bit, a bit aware of, of what makes sense and what doesn't, but or you could go on social media and people will just. Oh, they'll, talk tell, you, the, they'll tell you straight
3: yeah. away if you're doing the right thing or <laughs> the wrong thing. <laughs>
4: there's a lot of, there's so many experts. It's full of experts. I think it's
3: amazing.
2: Um, I want to pick out a couple of the tips that I really like in this book. Um, I know this one isn't a new one for you, but I think it is an area that a lot of people um, could benefit from. When it's training to time rather than training to mileage, could you explain briefly why you think that is a better approach?
4: Well, simply because not all miles or kilometres are created equal. Um, if you're, especially if you're, I, so from, from my background on the hit, on the trails or the ultra marathon world, a mile with a hill in it is not going to be as quick as if you're trying to run ten miles. Um, and you've got 10 miles with 1,500 feet versus 10 miles on the flat, it's mm. a very different run. And actually, it's going to take mm. you an extra 20 minutes. So you're doing 20 minutes more training. Um, it goes across different levels. It's not just kind of the terrain. It can take into account like the, the weather on the day. If it's hotter, right, you, and you've got a 10-mile run, instead of that being like 70 minutes is 80 minutes, or it's, it's two hours because it's super, super hot and hilly. Um, it, time also takes into account how you're feeling, to so come in from a day at work and actually, like it's going to be a lot harder to do a ten-mile run. But if you've got an hour run, right, it takes into account that you're knackered. You haven't. So maybe you go a little bit less distance, but you're still getting that. Like your body, the kind of the, the on a on a cellular level, we're trying to change things they gonna have a little clock saying, or a little kind of GPS watch like, hold on a second, we were going to improve, but he's only done 9.4 miles. That's not, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to improve. So it's, yeah, it's just kind of, the time side of things is, we're trying to, like, that's what we're trying to improve. We're trying to improve by adding stress to the body. Mm. And the amount of, the volume is better, for me is better in time. And it comes as well. This is where it gets interesting. And I'm not 100% certain on this, this side of things. It's marathon training. If you've got someone doing, a three-hour marathon and a six-hour marathon, um, and they both train to mileage on the same plan. One would be doing twice as much time as the other in mm. training. So you like you look at someone who do, you get mile a hundred-mile week from someone like Steve. Way people used to love copying Steve Way's training. Yeah. hundred miles yeah. a week, average six 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 fifteen a mile, right? So people look at that and they go, "I'm going to copy Steve's training, right?" And their miles would run at eight 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 thirty a mile, or ten-minute miles. And you be mm. yeah, you literally would be try, training twice as much. Because in time he's doing yeah. twelve hours, ten, twelve hours, uh, and, but in distance he's doing lots more. So yeah, it, it comes into, and but then my mind then I go off on tangents. Now then I can't start going. Well, oh, hold on a second. That person's training for a three-hour race, and you're training for a six-hour race. So should your training be different even more because you're actually training? If you're if you're training for a six-hour marathon, mm. you're almost in terms of time training for an ultra marathon mm. mm. because the distance is one thing but actually the time on feet is totally different and and the energy systems how they're used the kind of the the importance of fueling all these different factors change so would if i'm doing a say i was i have someone who was training for 50 miles in six hours and training for a marathon in six hours would their training be more similar than the six hour marathon and (laughs) and a two and a half hour marathon i don't i don't know the answer to that it's one that kind of constantly puzzles me a little bit and i think there's you, the body can only take so much stress in terms of the impact of those miles as well so there is a limit mm. in that regard but I think it's a fascinating question to ask And yeah yeah
0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: There's a couple others in here but we want to go through. Um, Trust the trust the toilet trust the toilet queue is good. This is what I like about this book because i a bit like thousand my running tips. You can think like as someone who's been in the running industry, I'm going to know loads of these, but there's lots of like innovative, quite novel takes on things that are actually also really useful. And I think trust the toilet queue is 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 one of those.
4: <laughs> it's. I mean, that's the thing though, like the closer you get to that front, like the, the start time, you sat there and you're like, there's four people ahead of you, right? And you, in your mind, there's four people, they're both going in, they're all going in for a poo, and they've all got a newspaper they're going to read, and they're going <laughs> to take ages. And that, that, that last one's going to lose the last bit of toilet roll. But as it gets closer, two of them are going to bottle it and go to the start line. One's only needs a week, they should have been in the other queue anyway. And then by that time, you're in there and you've got plenty of time to get to But the closer we are to the start line, the more anxious we are about making it to that front. But like the other side is that if you worry about it too much and something you can't really control, you spike in your kind of anxiety like levels before a race, that's not mm-hmm. going to be good for you. Um, if you need, to, you're in the queue for a reason, you can't just go to the start and then like, if it's a marathon, you're not going to jump over two miles in and be like, Oh, I'll do it here instead. Yeah. Like you wanted to, so it's kind of like just trusting in it. And I think the closest I got with that one was in a race in Spain, it started at like five in the morning. And I was trusting the queue, trusting it, trusting it. And the start was getting closer and closer. And then I I managed to get to the start. line. my wife was also racing. She's like, where the hell is he? <laughs> it's like the final minute before the gun going off. People are starting to count down. And I think it's about 25 seconds before the start, I jumped over the side and then got in. I just run straight to the front. And I was there with about 20 seconds to spare. And just to give you an idea, that race, I then set a, I got a Strava crown for the first 5K yeah. and blew up massively. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's our ego again, so Robbie. Ba- the ego is going off again.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it was like too much adrenaline at that point, like just that kind of real success in my timing was a bit too close. But uh, well, that was there was lots of other factors involved with that the other,
2: the other good ones about this, uh, you, you're, not, you're not afraid in this book to call out some industry bullshit, I'd say. You're, you're fairly sort of straight about stuff. And one of them is about... Not all shoes wear out after 500 miles or 800 kilometers. And I think that's that's an interesting one. It's probably one that people don't tackle enough. But actually, you know, this slight idea, this rule that you have to get rid of shoes after a certain amount of miles. And you, you don't think that's true?
4: Yeah, it, it can vary, right? It can vary yeah. to individuals. It varies on how you run. I, I work with like, one of my athletes is Dan Lawson, a friend of mine, and he has rerun clothing. And like, like, I've seen Dan break records in shoes that most people wouldn't wear to do the gardening. Um, you're literally like, oh, mate, what you. T-? And like, that's kind of drilled into your head. You're like, oh, Dan, you'd go, definitely go faster if you weren't wearing those old crocs. But um, like, it's, it's. I think there is. An, there is. You can go two ways with that, right? Because you can. I've got pairs of shoes that. There's none around me right now, but they've got like holes in and they've been there for miles. Hmm. And they probably do increase my injury. Like, if, if you've got a certain way of running that kind of rubs out a certain bit of the sole and it's really kind of affecting your gait, then and you can pick up injuries and you know you pick up injuries that yeah it makes sense to be smart with your shoe choice right yeah. but i think we we are kind of the industry relies on us getting new shoes when there's new colorways right mm. or there's like a new the 19th edition of a shoe that hasn't changed or they've changed it in a way that makes it worse, but simply because they have to change it. Yeah. Well, yeah. You need the newest version of this, but it's twice as heavy. Yeah. Well, we had to change something. So we made it terrible. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. this, this is kind of like the part of it. So it's kind of just, it's very individual. And just asking those questions, not just when I get that message from Strava, like for one pair of shoes I've got, I think they've done about 1200 miles. And it's just like, you need new shoes. Every time I run in them, it's like, I don't. They're fine. They're just for <laughs> an easy run. I'm not trying to win the, like a race in these shoes. They're comfortable. They stay on my feet. And I like running in them. And uh, it's like, well, okay. But then when I'm racing, I do like a fresh, like a, a newer pair. I'm not going to wear those shoes to race in. So it's, yeah. I'm not I'm not like perfect. And that's one of the other things with a lot of the stuff around sustainability these days as well. And it's, uh, people think you have to be perfect about it before you can talk about it. And, that's not true, right? It's like, hmm. You can't like, well, I never get on a plane and I only eat kale and I, I, I have, my shoes are older than time itself. You're like, well, okay, you're <laughs> the only person qualified to talk about sustainability. That's not that's not true. We've all got to talk about it. Yeah. we just got to try and be a little bit better. Yeah. And there, there's so many, like, what's the fact that Dan says every single pair of shoes ever made is still in existence, every pair of running shoes? Because they take, like, however long to, to, to biodegrade, and it's longer than people have been making running shoes. So every single pair of running shoes ever made, ever used, is still somewhere either in landfill, in someone's kind of cupboard, when or, most of them are in my so, cupboard, or, or yeah. on Dan Wilson's feet. Yeah, or being worn <laughs> by Dan for many, many yeah. miles. <laughs> Do
3: you think there's like, especially there's areas where people are always, always looking for advice? Did you feel like you were kind of like you could have written a thousand and one tips on injury alone? like do you think that's kind of like or do you, you know all the treadmill how to make that more interesting
4: there's one area that stands out massively um uh, every time i have a discussion with a runner these days it it, it goes towards uh food right uh, mm. race nutrition stuff like that especially with the ultra runners but just runners in general like marathoners are kind of Getting on to the fact that they should probably eat, um, especially the faster ones, like looking off like well, Ron Hill, only had he had, like, egg and potatoes before the race, and he ran two <laughs> ten Like, yeah, that worked for Ron Hill, right? But you're not Ron Hill, so maybe... Uh, maybe some gels. Try something different. <laughs> yeah, have some gels. Have some, so, yeah, the, the nutrition. It's one of the, the last couple of years I've been doing this um, with the International Olympic Committee Sports Nutrition Diploma. It's like a two-year post-grad, um, and it was in sports nutrition just because... For me, that's the biggest area that people keep asking about. And in terms of ultra running, it's one of the and marathoning. It's one of the bigger areas for kind of getting things right. So that's yeah, it's everyone because we don't get it right. You can know exactly what you're supposed to do, and that doesn't work for you. Right, and that then comes down to pacing, nutrition, uh, like or the the hydration or kind of what the conditions are like on the day. Pacing is often pacing and nutrition are intrinsically linked because you can Mm. only eat eight gels if you sat on a sofa. That'd be fine, right? You can't eat them at the pace you try and run a marathon. It's just finding somewhere in in between the sofa and marathon pace that it's just that kind of joins together and you can, that's yeah. So that's the biggest area is is nutrition. uh, I think there's, but there are plenty of books on sports nutrition. So mine doesn't provide all the answers in that regard.
3: Yeah, but they're all pretty dry to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) so <laughs> it's funny
2: because i've gone to robbie for um ultra nutrition advice uh a couple of years ago before the north downs way race and oh
3: sorry are you gonna suddenly blame robbie for eating
2: too many dates robbie's like the he's actually like the sensible voice when it comes to nutrition and i, and I was like i think i'm just gonna do it with real food and he's like oh you need to actually think about like um how many carbs an hour you're gonna have and like the, your your rough plan that you've laid out is about you're getting about 10, 10 grams of carbs now and you want to be trying to get to like 50 or 60 so you might want to have a little reassess of your plan <laughs> it was useful actually thank you much appreciated
4: i've looked i mean i learned that the, the bag of apricots uh was experience was one i had many i think it must be 10 years ago now i didn't have much money and i was like well this Ticks all the book boxes yeah, of the nutritional is demand, uh, and it's cheap. And I can just take a kilogram of those, chuck them in the two pockets I've got, and uh, <laughs> spend my most of my race in the bushes. It's great. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's same with, like with someone like when I shouted to you, Rick, about the North Downs weight, I I could very quickly say, well, you need the, the current research as, as as a male runner, you should have eighty to ninety grams of carbs an hour. But if you're currently Planning on taking ten an hour. Yeah, right. Mm. You're never going to get to eighty to ninety by the time. There, yeah. I think it's probably the yeah. week before the race. You were asking me, which is always a good yeah, yeah. time to think. It was
2: good, wasn't it? I give you a lot of time. Yeah.
4: Yeah. But like finding somewhere kind of in between, like, well, what can you sustainably take on board? Like, can mm. you get managed thirty to forty? It's like, oh, well, possibly. Yeah, mm. we'll try that because, like, if you try sixty, yeah, you, you're going to have some issues because you haven't. You can train the gut. So like, there's a study uh, where they got. Um, Spanish ultra, like, they do the six hour mountain race, and they, they were having 120 grams of carbs an hour, and they did wow. 90 and, and 60. And they, what they measured was the muscle damage markers, because that was, they couldn't measure performance stuff because it's obviously the other factors involved. Hmm. But the people, the, what they had them do is so the three weeks beforehand, they trained their gut. So in the long runs and like two or three times a week, they were having that fueling um, in the in the three weeks before their race. And if there's stuff like Asuka, you can drop the South African chat. It's shown that that works. You can actually train your gut, gut to be better at it. So every long run you've got, and every, and as you get close to the race, I like to chuck it into like intervals and threshold stuff because I think if my stomach can handle these gels or this sweet potato brownie or whatever you've chosen to have during an interval workout, yeah. be fine at mile 20 of a marathon. It's probably mm. more like it's good training for it. It's kind of like a high-stress environment.
3: Yeah. So that was th- and that was, study yeah. said that it was three weeks before a race. So anyone who's sort of panicking about a race, you've, if you can if you can get a handle on training your gut to, a month before a big race, that's you could still there's still it's gonna give you a good hat.
4: Yeah. yeah, and like ideally you're you're getting to that point and you've you've figured out what works for you. Every long run over over the course of a marathon build up, you should be seeing it as an opportunity to to practice your nutrition to practice something different but like to try and expect the further away you are the more mm-hmm. you experiment and the closer you get the more you dial into kind of what you're going to use on race day and definitely yeah in the three weeks beforehand there is a benefit to training that gut to to, to be used to what it's going to take on board
2: um quick question about injuries Robbie I know like in, in your career you've had yeah your fair share of like fairly long-term injuries I know you've gone into just one is that right so it's all about all being a knee yeah. based injury and you've kind of gone into cycling, and one thing I think that you know anyone who knows you will, will know is that like, your passion for running is is like completely undimmed by um, any of these injuries. What what have you learnt from spending a spell on on the sidelines, and what what would you say to anyone else who might be experiencing a long term injury?
4: I guess for me, the most important thing is to have at least one kind of area of hope. Mm. You don't need to kind of like with certain injuries say like a break or a stress fracture there's a set timeline that you know you're going to come back from it's going to heal bones in some ways a broken bone is is better because you actually know how long it's going to take to heal uh when you have an injury that you're not quite sure what the diagnosis is or it's going to take lots of like often what we need to do to fix an injury is lots of tiny 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 things that from a day to day we don't really see the difference Mm. and as as humans we're kind of we want to hit things with a hammer and fix them, right? We were like, well, my knee's sore. I just want to smash it eight times, and now it's better because I can feel the pain, right? It's like when hmm. we go to the gym. If it doesn't hurt, it's not beneficial. That's, not, that's, that's rubbish, right? But we get that in our, in our recovery from injury. We want to feel that progression day to day to day, and sometimes you have to step back, and you can see, oh, actually, like two months ago, I couldn't run 5K, and now I can run 20. I can't run 30 yet but that's massive progress but then like from day to day that's still you aren't feeling that progress so i think there's having something that you can take like that gives you hope and it might just be that at times you you're really struggling for that because you haven't like you haven't got a diagnosis or the injury keeps recurring um and it, and it it takes like looking back to where you were to kind of say okay well i'm still improving or having uh, i'm i'm quite guilty sometimes of just trying to if something doesn't work straight away, I'm jumping to different ideas. and I mm. want to figure it out. Um, but like a couple of years ago, no, last summer, last summer I was helping Dan uh, Lawson on his little Jog and a friend of mine, Paul Tierney, he was there. And uh, at this point, I'd kind of given up hope a little bit on my running. it has been quite a long time with this injury and it's probably the one of the times I was really struggling with it. And Paul just, he looked at me and was like, why are you standing like that? And like my feet were just kind of just out like a duck. And, uh, and he's like, look, we can... We can work on that. That could be causing your injury. And that one moment was just mm. like bit of hope. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, I'm going to come yeah. back. I'm going to win the world champs. Like, I was instant. <laughs> like, it was like a. It's, I just needed that tiny little bit of hope that I did. I'd lost, and that to me, mm. kind of now as a coach, when I speak to athletes who are having like longer term injuries, I just try and provide that small bit of hope. You can't. We can't fix it. Like, as as a coach, as a physio, like you, you want to be able to fix people, but it's not often. Very, like saying, you wish you could just put a plaster on, say, because it's sorted, mm. but you've yeah. got to work together and it's got to take time and there might be ups and downs. And the one thing to, to do is to make sure that athlete keeps a little bit of hope gas. So that's, yeah, sounds a bit wishy-washy, but no. just a little bit of hope. Something to grasp to.
0: Where can people message you for injury, nutrition, advice, and more importantly, probably buy a book?
4: I would definitely start with buying the book. Because <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, as, as a coach, uh, I don't have I don't have any space for new one to one athletes. It's very much a it's like a one in one out policy on the door. Um, but I do work with uh, Centurion Running. I'm I'm the, the head of endurance. I think it was I made the title up myself. So <laughs> it's
0: a good one. I like it. it. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> we have a good team of coaches there, and we have a thing called Training Plan Plus, which is where we have a group of athletes athletes together and it's a little bit more hands-off but the communication is for the group so if you are looking for coaching um that's one of the areas i still coach but for a group setting and uh actually it's been really nice because one of the things that we one of the reasons we tried it in this style was because the group itself often has a lot of knowledge mm. um from experience and 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 i from different kind of uh, viewpoints as well so it's really good it's, because like, as a coach, sometimes you, you tell someone like, the idea is you don't have to repeat yourself too much because you let one person know that they're running too fast. And then the next person says, oh, Sorry. what's wrong Me with too. this? And he goes, yeah. oh, hold on. I know you're running too fast. And as a coach, you just sit there and go, good
0: job, yeah. <laughs> and where can people buy the book?
4: Where can you buy the book? So directly from the publisher, Vertebrate Publishing. Okay. Um, uh, they have on their website, there's currently five, five 20% off or something like that. My maths isn't my strong point. Good deal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bag and in. The, it, everywhere it looks like elsewhere. But I've, I've been. Like I'm. I'm looking forward to just going in a bookshop and just kind of standing near it, and see if someone picks it up, and then just scribbling in it, and they're walking <laughs> off. But uh, I don't know if that's frowned upon. But yeah, it's apparently good bookshops. It's on like the Waterstones and the Smiths website. So okay. I, yeah, I think that's the places to buy. It. Your local bookshop. Great. Support local yeah. bookshops if you can. Exactly. Great. If they don't have it. Ask them.
3: <laughs> probably a perfect gift for christmas i'd say
2: perfect running gift thousand one running tips for the runner in your life there
4: you go yeah it'll definitely okay. help
2: them <laughs> robbie thanks so much for uh, for your time coming on the runners world podcast talk about the book and good advice and you know not always following it and all that stuff great great to chat to you and uh, let's get you back on soon that'd be great
4: cool thanks for having me
2: so that brings us to the end of this week's runners world podcast thanks very much to our guest robbie Britton, and to you of course for
3: listening You can subscribe to Runners World Magazine at the moment and save up to 49%. That's right, £15 for just six issues. Head to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash runners-world-magazine-subscription to get this uh, amazing offer.
0: It's a lot of hyphens. Um, You can listen to the Runners World UK podcast on Acast, iTunes and all of your favourite podcasting apps. Just search Runners World UK and please do subscribe. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. Hyphen.
3: Hyphen. See you next week. Hyphen week.
0: Hyphen. See hyphen you. Hyphen next. Hyphen week. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands.